You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Brian Gill, what's the movie of the week this week? This week's movie of the week is Ridley Scott, Matt Damon, The Martian. Ridley Scott's in the movie? He is. He's he's Mars. Weird. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Ocean captured. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Mars. Mark Ruffalo was Mars the whole time. (laughs) Oh, man. Off to a rousing start. Four (laughs) seconds I counted into the show. We got three emails this week that ended with, P.S., now you see me sucks. (laughs) I know. Three years later. Everyone just, oh, my God, Louis Eddie is going to direct a Fast and Furious movie. Uh, it's the gift that just keeps giving in the it worst is. way. <laughs> I'm excited to ask our guest about Now You See Me Tonight. Hopefully yes, he's yes, seen yes. it. What up, Sahil? He will be joining us shortly. Yes. And uh, We have a listener joining us. You should explain why, yeah, why yeah. Al Salou was able to join us. So we do this thing on here, if you're a recent listener. We do this show uh, for free, as you noticed. It's, there's no ads on here. There's no, there's no fee or subscription. Um, yeah. But <laughs> sure. As of right now, no ads. Right. Um, we do offer a few things. We have a pledge drive a couple times a year uh, to kind of just we don't make any money on this show, but we like to uh, we like to have the show pay for itself at least. Yeah, we'd so, like to not uh, lose money, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, so we have a pleasure. I've been some of the things you can we've auctioned off for uh, certain amounts have been like, now you see me DVDs signed by us and uh, different things like that. But one of the things we give it away, we give away is a guest appearance spot. So we've had quite a few people take us up on that. Thank you for your donations, Salil, and uh, look forward to speaking with you shortly. It's the first episode of October, so we might need to do American Treasures or push it or what? What's the deal? I say push I it because we, we have a guest tonight. Till- yeah. Okay. All right, well, what do we got on the docket? You mentioned Lettier, and we have some Lettier news, I think. Mm. Yeah. So uh, the Lettier, as I prefer to him, Le, or as the French call him, Le Lettier, was one of the three finalists for Fast and, Fury, Fast and Furious 8. Um, unfortunately, not Fast and, I was hoping Fast and Furious, it, it was a World War II crossover with Brad Pitt, mm. where, they, where Vin Diesel time travels and then soups up the tank. I, I thought you were going to go with some sort of a Mad Max crossover, <laughs> which also that, could work. Yeah, that's yeah. that's nine. I thought Fast it was a, I thought it was a Fist of Fury uh, mashup <laughs> as well too. <laughs> it would have been pretty that's pretty ten. entertaining. That's, I mean, that's I'd ten. see it. That's ten. Okay. Um, no, Fast and Furious Eight. So it was Louis Louis Lelettier, Louis Lelettier, F. Gary Gray, who just did uh, Straight Out of Compton, and who was the third person, Brian? I expect you to know these things. Diesel, you, I, think, uh, I think it was Ben. There was a rumor that Ben was going to yeah. direct it himself. Yeah. I first thing I noticed about this was every article I saw about it, and they mentioned Lettier. They say the director of the Transporter, the Incredible Hulk, and Clash of the Titans. No one yeah. mentions now you see me. It's just it's disappeared <laughs> magically by magic uh? off of his resume. So uh, apparently, no. I mean, uh, guys, no, can't happen. Yeah, Gaffer Gary Gray is going to do a great job. I yes. can't wait for that. Yeah. He hasn't been 100% confirmed yet, but he is, even Diesel is. I thought it was confirmed as of today. I well, think I saw final. I think, I think Diesel has confirmed it, but I don't know that Universal has, has confirmed oh. it yet. So we'll, 
we'll we'll hold out hope. But yeah, it looks like F. Gary Gray is going to step into Italian step job. Into Italian F. job's great. Like car yeah, chasing. Yeah, totally. Like that's going to be a great crossover. As a simple, easy crossover. Yeah, when when Gray is is kind of into something, he's a great blockbuster filmmaker. So I uh, I'm pumped to see what he can do with because you know this is a uh, enthusiastic fan base and enthusiastic cast and i think they'll kind of he's a very creative soul when i, I feel like he's 100 percent in as we saw with straight out of compton and i think this is kind of the perfect blockbuster uh project for him by the way we haven't talked about on the show that they've announced a new fast trilogy starting with fast eight so eight nine and ten are going to be maybe rounded out for yeah, a that, in the gang that Dom could be the end gang. of it yeah i oh, hope there's never an it's end sad that, the I know, road never like, ends brian you only go along a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> it's bad that I'm bummed about that. And it's like, wait, they gave us 10 movies. Yeah. Yeah. Think it's about like, that first movie and then realize that 20 years later, they will still be pumping these things out with hardly a break. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I guess I can live with it. I guess there are as many fast movies as there are Star Wars. Let that sink in. <laughs> We're coming for you, it. James Bond. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting to think about. Um, new trilogy. What what years did they announce for the trilogy? Is it 2017, 2019, and 2021 or something? I think it's yeah, every other year. Yeah, I would assume. Fast that's Eight is good. is 2017 or Furious Eight. It's it's called rumored at this point. They're gonna find some way to play on words, pun it a little bit. F. Gary Gray also a Black Panther movie apparently from Marvel. Yeah, this dude's soon. taking off, man. Who would have thought that uh, it looked like Law Abiding Citizen might have just tanked his career and instead he's mm-hmm. he's going straight he's out of compton up. man Dude. he cool should have tanked his career <laughs> yeah but then yeah, boom sure. straight out of compton i mean that that's still doing well i'm pr- pretty yeah. sure at the box office so good job Very congrats good. yep what else we got on the on the old rundown here transformers <sighs> so as good as news as we just had right we have some bad news for you at least our intelligent listeners dumb ones you're going to be fired up we get Four more Transformers films over the Four next more day. years. Four more <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. No, no, Brian. Sorry. Four Sorry. more Ten. movies. Four more movies. Ten more years. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead and... Ten more years. Yeah, there you go. So basically, Cooper will be taking his kids to Transformers movies. <laughs> that we we can confirm that. Brian, when he walks in. <laughs> It's gonna be let's bring, let's bring Grandpa to <laughs> Angry Grandpa on the balcony, shaking his fist. In Thank my you, day. Michael Bay. In my day, you were an okay director. <laughs> yeah. Dinobots have taken over this franchise. <laughs> yeah. This this harlot is no Megan Fox in her prime. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh goodness! But they keep making so much money, guys. They can't stop yep. making them because it's a machine. Yeah, they're making tons. Oh, oh, nice. Did we get a final number on the last Transformers of sure. Age of Extinction? Brian, give me a final number on that. You're the box take, office guru. Give us a, of the show. Take, a, take a guess. Take a guess. I'm going to look gonna, up its Rotten Tomato score as well. I'm going to go a bill. Okay. I'm going to go I'm going to go 850. Okay. So its production budget was 210. Its Rotten Tomato score was 18%. So that's that's good. But its worldwide total billion. Wow. It is more than a bill. Wow. Yep. Yep. Okay, there you go. Thanks. Uh, By the way, $850 of that overseas. So thanks a lot, 
rest of the world. China. Maybe maybe we're going to vote in Donald Trump to put a stop. That was the most internationally aimed big budget movie since well, yeah. Pacific Rim yeah. a few years ago was like, this is for everyone, you know, but man, Age of Extinction, the fact that they set the last hour of the movie um, in in uh, Hong Kong, yeah. that, that was that was an, such an obvious uh, cash grab for foreign audiences. Man. It was... These things, yeah, man. So much Bay, Bay will stop at nothing. He will stop at nothing. Almost four billion between the, the four. Of Brian, them. which do you hate more, Bay or Bay? Like the expression. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, because I do hate Bay. Like, <laughs> unless you're using it ironically, and even then, you should have to have like a license or something <laughs> to be able to to pull that off. Um, I'm gonna go with Bay. The expression I hate more. Like, okay. I think Michael Bay is like. He's the equivalent of a great offensive coordinator who, for some reason, just keeps getting head coaching jobs, you know? Okay, so he's just Mike like, Martz. He's the yeah, Mike Martz. Yes, yes. Directors. You are great at explosions and making things blow up and the visuals of that. that like, unparalleled. He's fantastic <laughs> at that. He is a moron. And if you need any, look no further than that Samsung bit that, that popped up a couple years ago at the, uh, do you guys remember that? The yeah. like, big samsung whatever their <laughs> oh their, yeah, their was. keynote yeah he just yeah. walked off the stage because the prompter wasn't working yeah. like <laughs> he's terrible at directing he's just he's great with visuals and his money his movies make so much money so yeah, yeah. that's a great comparison thanks man mike marks really appreciate it that's probably we have a listener named cambry win who proposed this question to me last week and this is great and i wanted to bring it up on the show and actually get the people at home involved and to chime in on their answers would you rather have uh michael bay direct a star wars movie <laughs> or josh trank direct a biopic of your life <laughs> it's a tough one it's a tough one well People may not know, but Chronicle is actually based on my life. So I'll just oh, okay. go with Trank. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So let's just take Trank for his word here. Um, that you know he filmed some really interesting stuff that didn't make it. Um, the most interesting parts of my life, I would want no one to see. <laughs> and so I'm going to go Trank. Brian, yeah. what, what I, I would choose that as well. I would rather my life be ruined <laughs> on film than Star <laughs> Wars be ruined on film again. That was way too easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would like that the interesting parts of my life would be left out. That would I. That's preferable. <laughs> I couldn't do that to Star Wars. I love it too much. The space explosions would look great, but uh, but that's it. That's oh, where it goodness. is. <laughs> and Princess Leia's never been hotter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You thought the gold bikini was scandalous. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So Michael Bay uh, gets a hold of it. He's just drenched in Jabba grease. <laughs> now, the one thing I would like to see Michael Bay direct is Entourage 2. That's that's where I think that's where his hidden skill is really, really going to come Surely out. Surely he's involved with Entourage somehow. Surely he was the one who was like, you guys should make a movie way after the show was off the air and people stopped caring. You I'll know? pay for it out of my own pocket. I swear yeah. to God, I'll pay for it yeah. out of my own pocket. This is a story that needs to be told. It begs to be told. So sick. We need more turtle. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Well, this is a fun, and this is going to be a big episode tonight. Uh, the it Martian, is. The Martian yeah. outperforms most expectations at the box office last week. I, I A lot of people didn't see this one coming. A lot of people don't even know what it is still. I mean, it was. Yeah, uh, I thought hit. it would be uh, 
I thought it would be a, a successful once I started hearing some good buzz on it. But I, I, I was telling you, Ken, we saw each other the weekend in, in New Orleans. I, I told you, I was like, everyone on my social media is, is posting. Like, people I never see post about movies are like, off to the Martian on, like, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And I was like, oh, man, they've got a hit on their hands. Because right. when some friend's mom is posting about seeing a movie, that's when you know right. big time. Yeah. That's impressive. It did $55 million in, uh, in the U.S., and it did over 100 uh, in the weekend overseas, I think another 50 or $55 million. So good showing for Mr. Scott, and uh, especially Matt Damon, who's been a bit of a slump lately, uh, as it seems. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. At the box office. So uh, good to talk about this one. And uh, you guys just want to move on and get into it? Yeah, we need to get our uh, our buddy on and we'll, we'll do it. Let's right. do it. All right, so we are here with Sahil. Uh, say hello. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going good. And uh, we've been talking a lot online for a while, on the Facebook and on the Twitter and email. And uh, you're one of our uh, favorite people in our little circle of uh, movie lovers online. And uh, good to have you on. Good. To, it's going to be good so to much. talk Thanks movies. For, thank you for having me on. So what we're going to do, we're gonna just going to start uh, with general thoughts. Uh, we, we might talk about this one for an hour just by itself this movie so i want to get right into it here uh brian just talk to us about your anticipation you recommended the book on the show uh, a long time ago so yeah um, yeah get us going here so i read the book earlier this year and i uh, loved it just thought it was so smart and so fun and uh, did such a great job of blending the sci and the fi of a sci-fi you know it's it's very huh. scientific but it's not it wasn't over my head which can't is can be done easily because I'm not super bright, so um, I could follow have, along. You only have a master's in physics, right? Not a right, PhD. yeah, not a PhD. I mean, I'm pretty no, I am terrible at math and uh, all sciences, so uh, I have to like there. It's not <laughs> difficult to like the physics part of things, or if there's like any algebraic equations, I'm out. I got I can't do anything with that, and so and to think you became a movie reviewer, I mean, who <laughs> I know, right? And to think yeah. because your dad was a sci-fi writer growing up, actually, yeah, True yeah. Story. Look, it's it's a uh, it's it's a fun. My mom was an algebra teacher too growing <laughs> up, but just can't do it, dude. I just I don't have the brain for it. English history, I'll kill you. But the you know anyway, science and. And uh, math, not so great. Yeah, I will bring it, Richard. No, um, 
No, so I, I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was extremely well written. The author's name is Andy Weir, I believe, and uh, really liked the book. And then I think right after I started reading, they announced, or I started seeing stuff about the movie um, with with Matt Damon and Ridley Scott and and all that. And the further I got into the book, the more I was just convinced there's no way, even with Ridley Scott being on a terrible run that he's been on for the last decade or whatever, um, there's no way he can mess this up. And if he does it right, this could be that movie where you're like, that's what turned things around for Ridley Scott. Um, and I, uh, I don't want to go too far on spoiler, but I, I think it did. Cause this movie is, I love, I love this movie. And, uh, it, it checked off pretty much every every box on my on my list of what I was wanting from it, and just in general, what I'm wanting from a from a movie. Uh, I I thought this was a pretty spectacular film, and uh, my anticipation level was was uh, was met. I think it was it, it it certainly did not disappoint. Wow, good generals. Uh, let's go with Sahil next. Uh, wow, already also... replacing me. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> he's already won the job. Sorry, Richard. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, I also read the book in the summer, I think like three or four months ago, and my ex- expectations were so high that I don't think realistically they could have been met. <laughs> but I did like it a lot. The only the only thing was, even though the movie was two and a half hours, it felt like really short, like it just kind of flew by. Sure. And I wish there was a couple of things that they took from the book that they put in the movie. And I think it could have been like 10, 15 minutes longer that they could have you know, put some more stuff in the movie. Yeah, I would have gone for a three-hour cut of this. I think yeah, I would totally. have gone for a four-hour yeah. cut of this, too. Um, Richard, general thoughts? Yeah, so uh, I had really hardly any familiarity with the with the book until Brian brought it up on the show. I read a few blogs about it, but nothing nothing too much. I, I didn't know the tone of it. Um, and then when I see someone like Ridley Scott, wh- whom I, I like a lot, um, but has, not to the degree, but a little bit of Zemeckis in him in... Not much of a sense of humor, and when it is there, it's jilting, jilted, sure. and and kind of not. I don't know, not for not to this taste. You know, it doesn't seem to be. Not that he's made movies that necessarily should be at all lighthearted, but you know, you want to see something that that's human. You know, right. uh, oftentimes, and so um, though it though a, a total genius in a lot of films that I like a lot, I I expected this to be a lot more bleak and everything. When I saw the first trailer. I was kind of just confused by it. Kind of thought it was like, oh, he might mess this up. I, I you know, you had sold me on the source material and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then Damon, who I think is like about as reliable American actor as he's like the total utility player, American movie star. He's I love Matt Damon. Um, his highs aren't as high as someone like maybe Leo or or Joaquin Phoenix or you know um, Tom Hanks or something. Actually, he is kind of Hanksian in that, like, he's going to bring you a solid eight and a half to ten every time. He has no lows either. Like, right. Damon is just always there. I was excited, but, you know, he's had a few kind of down movies in terms of box office, whatever. And I was really surprised at the tone of this movie. It's fun and mm-hmm. not yeah. very Ridley Scotty and, uh, and, and everything that something like Interstellar should have had that humor in it, right? Um, more of. So it's such an old school type movie to me. Um, and I, I love that about it. It's like, this guy's there. We're going to get this guy home. It's not Apollo 13. I think it's better than, than something like, I think it's a better, I text you guys. I think it's a better movie than gravity. The visuals yeah. of gravity just blow you away and kind of trick you into thinking it's a better movie than it is, though. It is a great movie. 
I think this is a better movie. I would rather watch this, you know, when this scrolls across TNT on a Saturday afternoon than than uh, than Gravity. To echo that, I I thought Gravity was I had Gravity listed as the that was my number two movie of whatever year that was 2013 I think 2012 yeah, yeah, 2013 yeah I would have voted for it for for best picture if I'd had an Oscar vote that year I think I will never watch Gravity again because it is a, a kind of like a singular experience that cannot be replicated on my TV screen. And so I just like, it's an experience almost more than a, than a film in some ways. And no, it is this, I will watch this dozens of times. I think like this is such, this is an easy movie to enjoy on top of being so high quality too. You know, like that's just, those two things don't always go hand in hand. I think a lot of times we get movies that are awards type movies and we really like them but how often do we rewatch them and then we watch movies like fast and furious 37,000 times you know <laughs> but this kind of blends the or, or sits in the gap between those two things in some ways to, to make the, the gravity comparison um yeah. gravity just i think it means more to cinema than yeah the martian does sure. or will I think uh, that's it's fair. more of a singular achievement in filmmaking than it is i think a movie to take home to your kids you know what i mean um it's more like something you're going to study uh you know that uh david edelstein will write a column about in 10 years and be like why this means so much now and it did then you know type of thing why it should have won best picture all along and all these things um but man uh this came so out of left field uh the martian did not only in the box office but due to the fact that this came from Ridley Scott. Yeah. Who we have talked about two of his previous his two previous films on the show. <laughs> Those two being The Counselor mm. and uh Exodus Gods and Kings. And so that was, was most, him, wasn't it? I forgot that was him. What was most surprising to me and the biggest immediate takeaway from the movie and I had a lot of takeaways was how incredibly well-paced the Martian is like, and how the, the Exodus director could have directed the same movie, you know, (laughs) because of how atrociously based the Exodus one. I mean, just put you to sleep. Just, I guess that means that Ridley really sticks to a script. And I, I had to, I was where I was going, Richard, I was, I want to give so much credit to Drew Goddard, the screenwriter. Yeah. Who sort of comes from the Joss Whedon school of uh, screenwriting. Mm-hmm. He's worked with worked with Joss on uh, Cabin in the Woods, and uh, and has become a great uh, screenwriter, a reliable screenwriter. And uh, he, man, this script was so tight. I don't, I didn't read the book, Brian, but I mean, I I have to guess that this will be in the the conversation for adapted screenplay come yeah. towards the end of the end of the yeah, year. How do you feel so about too. that? Yeah, I think so, and it's it totally deserved to me. There, I've seen, I see lots. I read a lot of books that turn into movies, and. I'm not the guy who complains about what's missing from from a book uh, when it you know when it's turned into the movie because you know I'm look it's a five hundred dollar book I mean just yeah, I know. calling I'm, him out right now I'm going for it uh, it's a, you know it's a five hundred page book so you you've got to trim that down uh, some way somehow I think this one was so well done that Goddard I think he picked almost all the the right stuff to cut out the right stuff to trim down to make it more manageable on screen than it would have been if you just went straight from straight from the book. But yeah, I would think he's got, he's got a nomination coming his way and he should, this is, he's, it's a really well 
a really well put together screenplay. And uh, I think you guys are both right. Like Ridley Scott, I think is going off, you know, straight off the page essentially. And this had a really good page to go from. Yeah, I think a lot of it is a testament to Andy Weir and the characters he created and the story he told. Uh, This movie is great. Uh, It's very, very good movie, and it surprised me. Uh, I did not expect it to be as good as it was or for me to enjoy myself as much as I did. Um, I was wowed. Um, This is a top uh, of the year for me. Uh, Mad Max against the heel is – I love it too. It's up there. And uh, but this one, this one's strong. Strong, strong, strong than quite two strong. is going to be. Yeah, said, straight out of Compton is is up there too. But this is this is in the top three. I'll, I if I'd put them in a lotto thing and pull my hand in there and and pull one out and I would I'd be I would accept that one. They're all kind of <laughs> kind of there. Extremely well paced, extremely well done, well executed on almost every level. Brings up so many questions, uh, not only scientifically but socially and how you know. How would you survive on Mars if if it was you? You know, you're like thinking in your own head. Okay, if that was me, what would I do? You know, like could I really survive in space? Is it even possible? You know, it's such a strange question because we're just now sending robots up there just to like take a picture. You know, um, it seems foreign, but I think in our lifetime, I think we could all guess that somebody will land on Mars in our lifetime. Probably, you know, a man will probably uh, walk on Mars someday. So this is a maybe something we'll have to deal with eventually, and maybe we'll uh, have to call back on this movie. But I was just thinking, I'm like, man, Damon gets stranded on Mars. The the whole opening sequence is uh, is him getting stranded there. I mean, what kind of a storm would it be on Earth if that had actually happened? If if NASA sure. made an announcement, yeah. hey guys, sorry, uh, we had a mission on Mars. We left a guy up there. Sorry, you know. Everyone be like, you left a guy on Mars? Like, <laughs> right. yeah. That's what I kept thinking. Oh, hold on, Trump's saying something. Never mind, who yeah, cares what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I can't even imagine that happening on the moon. If you said we left someone on the moon, they'd be like, what? You le-? I right. think there would be the hugest uproar. And I was thinking that as that scene was happening, the storm sequence, and uh, when he actually gets stranded there. And the next scene in the movie was the PR people at NASA and uh, Jeff Daniels. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's so awesome. But they get right to it, you know. It's like, how does this affect everyone else? And, like, what would actually happen if that kind of thing actually ha- – I mean, it was realistic not only in the fact that he's going to actually survive this, like, castaway style on Mars, mm-hmm. but uh, what was happening on Earth, too, uh, at the same time, yeah. was, I felt was reminiscent of what would maybe actually happen if yeah. something like that were to happen, like, a PR-wise, you know what yes. I mean? So. And, and I think that's what makes the book and then the movie work so well is that – I don't like Castaway. I know plenty of people do. One of my least favorite Tom Hanks movies. And and a big part of it is because you're just like, dude, I'm tired of staring at Tom Hanks's bearded face for the next six hours. Like, I just got to, I need a break from this, you know? And the book, the back and forth between what's happening on Earth and how they're trying to rescue him and him up on this planet by himself trying to figure things out, it conveys so well to the, to the film and keeps you entertained and just thoroughly engrossed in what's happening and trying to like, you know, you, you kind of feel like you're like, you're part of the team trying to work out how we're going to get this guy home, which is totally what they're going for. Just from the poster on down, you know, like that's, and I think it it achieved that so very well. It it was reminiscent of his last film, sort of in this genre, which was Prometheus. 
which I was a fan of. I thought uh, sure. I thought the Prometheus could have been the second the 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 start of the second wave for Ridley Scott or the third mm-hmm. wave, however you want to look at his career, is up to you. Yeah, uh, but big letdowns after that <laughs> with uh, with the counselor and yeah. Exodus, and uh, he has announced. I will say uh, Alien Paradise Lost, which is the sequel to Prometheus. It's not called Prometheus 2. It's called Alien Paradise Lost. So we'll see that. But Prometheus starts out with scenic views, you know, really kind of yeah. eerie sequence. Exact same here. Title title card goes across the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of the same template he used for uh, Prometheus, I felt. A lot of parallels sure. there. Did you feel that, that way? Uh, sort of similar subject matter, too. Um, yeah. With uh, people being stranded somewhere and trying to get home, right? Um, well, how did you feel about that, uh, Brian? Were you thinking about? Yeah, that no, no, I, like I think you're right. And space like, suits you, look similar yeah, and kind of a yeah. yeah. There's definitely a Prometheus vibe. There's a little bit of Interstellar mixed in here. I feel the opposite um, of of Richard. I felt this was very Ridley Scott. This was Ridley Scott like returning to what he he did. not Ridley Scott of the past few years, but the Ridley Scott that we used to know and love. Uh, I felt it was. There's just so much more humor than what you typically uh, Richard Richard hit. I mean, I'm looking through his how biography. much of that? How much is that? It's a lot of that. I was wondering this too, Brian. Is a lot of that in the book? Yes, yeah, yeah. Is it's a, a is very the, is it's the a whole, very uh, funny book. Is and the it, soundtrack it, thing in the book with the girl? Yes, even the sound. Okay, uh-huh. yeah. I, I didn't. That felt a little bit like, hey, Guardians of the Galaxy was a big movie. Let's sure. have some kind of cool '70s disco soundtrack. You know, it's right, like right. that. If that wasn't in the source material, I would have been no, kind it, of yeah, like, oh it was a, gosh. It was a big part of that and, and even further, and I'm sure Sahil can can uh, testify to that, but like, there's lots of talk about not just the music, but you saw the scene where he's watching Happy Days. Like, There's a lot of that where he's just the entire – all he has to watch or take in from a, you know, a pop culture standpoint is like terrible stuff from the 70s, and so – He's just kind of like stuck watching awful shows and listening to terrible music and whatnot. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought that sense of humor is is extremely apparent in the book, and there's lines that are just you know verbatim from the book, and and they're good lines, and so it, you know it works really well, and they're delivered really well because Matt Damon is awesome, and that's you know he's probably the perfect person to play this this character, I think. Hill, what did you what did you think of Damon and and uh, the rest of the cast? Yeah, Matt Damon is like one of my favorite actors ever since I first got into the Bourne movies. And I feel like he's had like a cold few years where he hasn't made anything that people wanted to see. I guess Elysium was his last big movie that it was supposed to be big, but it wasn't really that good. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad like I'm glad this is like putting him back in like you know. I'm glad this is making a lot of money and people are going to go see it. I get why he made, you know, Elysium is one of those ones that's a bad movie, but a totally defensible choice on his part because that's when bomb camp was still hot. Um, and off of district nine and, you know, it's a movie where it's a kind of heroic parable about, you know, future, like that's a really bad movie and it is kind of a hindsight, poor choice, but David's part because definitely because it also took like probably a year to make and sucked sure. him away from something that could have been good. But I totally understand. I if I met Damon, I make that movie too. Sure. Um. So the, the thing those about, movies happen. Yeah. The thing that to me, like somebody, I think. Uh, I can't remember who tweeted at us. Somebody said something about Matt Damon needed a hit, and that's like a very common sentiment. And I'm not saying that's wrong. It's just I never think of it that way. Partly because I just love Matt Damon, and I, I'll see anything that this guy does, and it has been that way for for a really long time. He's, I, 
Gary Oldman is my favorite actor just because I just think he's you never know what he's going to do in any in any role. And I, I'm always just kind of obsessed with with what he's capable of doing. Matt Damon is is I mean, him and he's probably my favorite like movie star. Like I just I'll see anything that he is a part of. And Same. what I think sets him apart from other people, from other actors who maybe are in a quote unquote slump is that. Yeah, he hasn't had a hit or a, or an Academy nomination in five or six years, but he intersperses in between Elysium and We Bought a Zoo and Monuments Men and stuff like that. He's doing uh, Thirty Rock, he, which he was great on Thirty Rock. He's doing one of my favorite bits on Saturday Night Live in the last ten years with the the Andy Samberg Katy Perry oh, song, yeah. which is just fantastic, and it's so funny. He did Behind the Candelabra and got uh, award nominations yep. for that on TV. He's doing the Jimmy Kimmel bit. He pops up because he's, he's he has... AT. He's, a, he's yeah, total oh, AT. Oh, absolutely. Total AT. And he just has a... It's not just that he has a great sense of humor about himself. It's that he is very much just willing to do whatever falls into his lap that he thinks is is either good or fun or... Whatever the the case may be, you know, he just, uh, yeah, I can do that. Totally. And there's not many A-list actors who will do the stuff that he does. You guys ever, do you remember Eurotrip? That's just terrible. It's an awful movie. He's the best part of that movie. (laughs) He's he's the best part of that movie by a mile. And he's only in it for like 15 seconds. Just, and he's in, you know, in costume as a, as a punk singer. And it's hilarious. And He's done that kind of thing throughout his career, and I, for me at least, I, so I never see him as I, that guy needs a hit because he's always relevant in a very, um, in a different way than I think most A-list names are. I mean, he just he's he's incredible at what he's able to to do and get himself involved in. Did any of you see Sahil or or Brian or, or Kent? Did any of you see the? Uh... The newest Kimmel bit with the couples counseling, it kind of yeah. went viral. It was it's funny because he's such a good actor that makes that kind of silly sketch like kind of creepy. Like you actually get the feeling that he's actually in couples counseling with Jimmy Kimmel, whereas <laughs> yeah. most people would not bring that much seriousness or weight to it. Um, and it makes it like six times more funny because of his total commitment. Yeah, and he definitely rehearsed. And like he's like he's a pro, like he's a professional actor. Also, and yeah. Also, also, one of the great bits how Kimmel's every night says, "Sorry, Matt Damon, we ran out of time." I love <laughs> yes. that. I think, like, and yeah. he's done that from like the beginning of a show. Yes, which is yeah, it's hilarious. But the fact that Damon plays along with it is yeah. very American treasure of him. Absolutely. Um, we we asked for some comments from uh, you at home on this episode, so I want to read some of those. Maybe uh, spark some topics. Uh, Heather says, I really enjoyed the movie. Mark reminded me of what I imagined Kent to be like. Uh, I of course agree. you led with that one. I yeah, agree, Heather. Uh, <laughs> extremely good looking while also smart and uh, funny. So describes me perfectly. Uh, thank you, Heather, for that. She was actually uh, talking about Mark from Home Improvement, the goth son. <laughs> Oh, okay. Sorry, some confusion. Uh, more, so the one that goes, the one that goes golf. Yeah, yeah. That's that's <laughs> what she was talking about. So don't don't get your head too too. That's a great pull, dude. Thanks. We have it. John from Twitter chiming in. John Manosco, how much duct tape was used in this movie? Do you think <laughs> that's a good question, John? How much do we think? A lot of duct tape in space. Yeah, that's what. That's like the the 
best survival tool you could have? Like if you were going to walk in somewhere at Walmart and say, I need something to survive for a week, I think duct tape would be one of the first things I would oh, grab. I'd go Slurpee, but teach his own. <laughs> do they have a, like a team at NASA? Does anyone know this? Um, do they have a team at NASA that researches things like if you were to be on Mars, here's what you would need to survive for XXX, you know, like how, how do you test that? That was one of my biggest questions about this movie was how do you test the conditions of Mars in a way where you feel like you, I guess, I guess this is, this takes place at a year where they probably had that, that stuff figured out by now. Sure. But I, I can't imagine being able to, I, th- I would think your body would just shut down at some point. Like how long is he in the, how long does he end up being on Mars uh, in the end? How many years is it? Sahil, I don't remember. So. You, yeah, it was like three, end, like two or three years. Days. Yeah. They go by sold, which are a little bit longer. Right. right. It's like a year and a half at most. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, between a year and a half and two years, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're on a freaking foreign planet. You're right. on, You're on an alien world. And uh, I just couldn't, like, especially the opening scene, uh, when the storm comes, they're just like, hold on, wait for the storm. Let's just wait for it to pass over. It's like, nope, I don't think I want to endure the, <laughs> the alien storm. I think I'll go in the ship and get the heck out of here. You know, it's like. <laughs> Note to NASA, do not send, do not send Kent to Mars. No, I mean, uh, it's just, it's such a crazy scenario to think about. And the fact that there's actual science to back a lot of this stuff up. It, it's just uh, that someday that we could have these same discussions, but in real Real time is is crazy. Uh, Steve on Twitter says, "Just saw the Martian. I'm glad to see that Nike outfits NASA crew members in the future. There's so much swag in space." I agree. That was uh, that's a little bit funny. Uh, also, he says, "Pretty stoked that GoPro and Cisco are still kicking in 2030." <laughs> uh, they didn't change their model. Apparently, uh, they're using the vintage GoPros in the in 2030. Uh, Armando says, "Best Ridley Scott movie in years for real." I agree. And John also chimes in and asks what made this the best really Scott movie in years. I think it's the pacing. Like I said, uh, what's made yeah. his past one so unbearable is just, it, they bore you to death. Um, they're about interesting subject matter, which uh, somehow Ridley finds uh, to make uninteresting. Like I would love the story yeah. of Moses would love to see a great movie based on that. Um, sure. Exodus is not it. Yeah. And, uh, and Prometheus while better had a lot of holes, uh, a lot of, yeah. complaints about the story and um, what it meant and where, why the movie was even made. Was it a prequel? Was it not? Why won't you admit it type of thing? Yeah. It just left people with a sour taste. And yeah. uh, this is just, there are some, there are some lows, which I've mentioned a few, but there are so many highs. I mean, there's so, the, so much to enjoy here and, uh, and love the counselor. I was interested in, in neither the pro the plot, nor the, uh, nor the end product. So, Sahil, what what were some things, aside from um, wishing there was more from the book in it, what are some things you, you, some criticism you may have of of the film? Um, At the end of the, well, I hate to bring this up again. At the end of the book, you felt like you went went into like a journey with the guy. And when he Mm -hmm. like was safe or when he was in trouble, you felt like you were in trouble. But for some reason, when I watched the movie, I just felt like, I guess because you see everything coming, you know, it's hard to compare. I I shouldn't compare it, but it's hard to take that out of the process explain the book to me a little more brian and and sahil is it is it first person from his perspective at all or is it all third person narration uh i don't 
I don't remember. Uh, I feel like if it was, if it kind of gives you insight inside of his brain and uh, different uh, you things. You know like- what? It, most of his stuff is done from like the video diaries. So like most. Okay. So I thought that, that was a great, uh, yeah. great uh, use. Uh, by yeah, Ridley. it was weird when Ridley. they randomly cut to Cam and Mitchell, though, when they gave their. T- <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> the uh, Michael's Dwight showing yeah, off his Dwight best Schrute's, boss yeah. shirt. When uh, it kept uh, Jim yeah. facing, it was weird. <laughs> um, no, those were those were excellent. That was a great narrative advice. I totally agree, Ken. Great point. It's interesting because uh, you you often see in movies like this uh, these big budget alien uh, type disaster movies, Apollo thirteen, for example. Cutting back to Earth, um, I was I was worried this movie was going to focus too much on what was happening on Earth and not what was happening on Mars, which is what I wanted to see. And I was very pleased that Ridley didn't use that crutch mm-hmm. nearly at all, only when it was extremely necessary. And we actually got an extended period of time only on Mars with uh, Matt Damon. Yeah. Now, and I, I was really, really happy about that because it's so easy, to, every other scene, to go back to NASA. You know, yeah. or to go yeah. uh, and uh, and get too mixed up in personal life and memories of got to go find my, see my daughter at home. She's got her baseball game this weekend. You know, things that uh, that pe- people and directors and, and other movies like this have tried and uh, Interstellar, for example, and uh, in my opinion, it failed. And it just takes away from the science and, and the true questions that are being asked and uh, and brought up. So, man, it, it stuck to this. It stuck to what it knew how to do well and it yep. didn't try to make it too sappy or too um generic you know yep. and it's it's special it was yeah. it felt special it, there's zero time wasted right like right. we get the the main the main plot of the story comes about at about 30 seconds into the movie and so it wastes no time and because of that there are i don't think there's a single scene in this movie that you could say yeah that could have been cut you know or shortened mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever i mean it's there's no fooling around it is telling you this story at a breakneck speed but that's the right speed for this story to be told at and so you know it, it could just be i mean it helps that he had great source material to work from and and clearly a very good script which i don't think he's had the last few times out but you also have to wonder if it's just I've said before when we when we reviewed both the counselor and Exodus, I thought that the directorial effort was just straight up lazy, and I wonder if this is just a mark of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna actually invest in this one and do this right, mm-hmm. and because there's no laziness with this one, and you wonder. I think Prometheus, you and I can are about the only people in the world who really I thought that thought Prometheus was a pretty good film or or appreciated what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that was a lazy effort. Um, I just think it got too caught up in the Lindelof of it all, you know, and just got right. too too caught up in trying to string along a mystery when really it would have just been better as just a straight film. But Robin Hood and Body of Lies and A Good Year and to a lesser extent American Gangster, those are all fairly lazy movies. And that's kind of what we've come to be, you know, come to expect from him. I wonder if this is if this is solely based on he had a great performer, great source material, and a great script, or if it is I'm here, I'm checked, you know, I'm in, I'm checked in, let's do this, and trying to do something significant. Uh, I'm interested. I guess I'm almost more interested to see like what happens with his next film uh, or next couple of films before, to to try to see if okay, is this the 
starting point or is this just a a blip on the radar of pretty mediocre to bad films yeah that's a good that's a good question i don't if was this in the book uh brian uh, the, the one of the scenes i don't know how soon we should get into spoilers here um that's a question we should we should, yeah, we should answer we should, we should soon no, though we've, we've been talking for a while we spoiler alert spoiler alert okay well a lot of people have seen this movie, I know. So yeah. hopefully a lot of people can stay with us here. Brian, in the movie, was it was the surgery scene early in the in the book? Um, do you remember that? I don't think there was a straight surgery scene like that, but okay. so he'll correct me on that. Do you do you remember that? Yeah, I think it was like in the first like page or two. Okay, it is. It's not too much detail. It's just but yeah, it was like he, him yeah. getting impaled or yeah, something. It, it wasn't. Right. It wasn't that brutal because that was. No. That was like 127 hours type stuff. I uh, was dying. The reason I ask is because what a bold move by Ridley. First 10, 15 minutes of the movie to throw that in there. Just uncut, one shot, camera doesn't cut away, surgery sequence. That's kind of what I'm talking about, the stuff about Ridley that's kind of can be... Great, grim, grim for the sake of being Same thing in Prometheus, same thing in Alien. Uh, The Prometheus one is... Crazy, where she's pregnant with the yeah. alien, oh, and yeah. and all, and man, what I mean, it's just I I turned to my uh, roommate who who came and saw The Martian with me, and I couldn't watch the screen for an extended period of the time when he was giving himself the surgery, and I just turned to him and I said, "This is PG thirteen." Like yeah. I was, I could not believe that that passed in a PG thirteen movie. Right. And, and followed and, up, and then he drops, and then he drops f bomb. Yeah. yeah, and then he drops an f bomb at the end of that <laughs> yeah. scene. I was like, and then he turned to me and said, "Yeah, and an f bomb." You know, like <laughs> yeah, I, it was that's that's the furthest I've ever seen a PG thirteen go. Um, but like I said, very bold move by Ridley to just you know, we'll just, not at the end where m- people may may have already checked out or walked out if you didn't really sure. like the movie or couldn't yeah. take it. But uh, man, that was very intense, and did not expect that. <laughs> At all in the first act. Um, did you f- look away, Brian? I, m- I imagine you did. Oh yeah, the, totally. The yeah, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, I studied bad. every nut and bolt in the in the theater in New Orleans when I saw yeah. that. I want to talk about some of these supporting casts real quick before we talk about the actual surviving and what you would do and all the growing Fail, of, growing of veggies that that, uh, <laughs> that Matt Damon had to do. Um, supporting cast. Sahil, who did you like besides Damon here? Uh, one of my favorite actresses, like of the last five years, is probably Jessica Chastain. Ever since yeah. I saw her, that uh, what was that movie where she was trying to find Bin Laden? Uh, Zero, Zero Dark Thirty. Dark 30 yeah. yeah. Ever since I saw her in that and The Help, she has been like pretty much great in everything. And I mean, it sucks that her role in this movie was so small, but I like sure. her a lot. Brian can attest to that. He yes. loves her. We we are on the same page, my friend. Not big big fan of Jessica Chastain. That's a pretty necessary character. Uh, yeah, for yeah. this for this film, but the character that I really liked and was surprised by mm-hmm. was Kristen Wiig's character. Yeah, as the PR director, what a gr- great casting choice that was, and how believable she was in that role. And surprise, I, mean, I haven't seen her in any, anything like this before. Yeah. And that was uh, that was cool to see, and also a very toned down Michael Pena for some reason. Yeah, maybe maybe Ridley was like, "Hey, Michael, can you not be Michael Pena this movie? <laughs> That'd be great." Just, yeah. just act instead of being Michael yeah. Payne. <laughs> you know, I discover I'm discovering between this and Ant Man, like I can handle him when he's yeah. under control. Exactly, it's just the spastic humor almost. I'm like, dude, you gotta calm it down a notch. I thought the casting was spectacular, and that's coming off of a couple of films 
Everest and Black Mass, where we thought the cast was great, but they weren't properly cast in a lot of ways. And I thought this was the kind of the exact opposite of that. Like, like everybody who's in this film is in it for a reason, and I think they fit their characters really well. What's the reason they went with Damon as as Watney? Was he the first choice, Brian, or did you hear anything early on? Like, was he like all, all along, like attached to this? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know for sure. Because um, usually, I, like a big, big book like this, big budget movie, Ridley Scott. You know, usually there's like twenty names we hear, and then it sure. gets narrowed down. Do you think Matt Damon has a chance at a Best Actor nomination? Let's go there. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I think it's, you know, it's a great outer space movie. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be such a loaded category. I mean, I know Bullock got nominated, but, uh, but I think it's going to be tough for him to, it's still an outer space movie. There's going to be some, um, you know, Eddie Redmayne type stuff that's going to get nominated always over that. Sure. It'll be the fast benders and the Leos and the, and the red. And yeah, it's a stacked category this year. For sure. Um, I think this has some award aspiration, though. Hateful I think it's Eight will have, like, five people we want to nominate in it, you know, sure. too. And it'll be – it's going to be tough. Yeah. This will get – I think this will get recognized. I think Ridley is going to be recognized, or at least in the conversation. Yeah, I would I would be more, more surprised if this got a Best Actor nom than it did if it got a Best Picture. I think it very well could get one of the – if they do ten Best Picture nominations. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So speaking of uh, Oscars, she would tell Gia for – returns fantastic he's, he's always awesome. awesome in this movie really yep. really enjoyed his role very like in any other movie that would have been morgan freeman you know <laughs> michael Caine, <laughs> like just there kind of you know a yeah. good voice every now and then and uh impactful kind of to move the plot along mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. chiwetel is man i can't wait to see where, where his career goes yep. uh, great actor and a uh, very necessary character to this. So let's ask the big questions. Uh, how realistic was this movie? How did you feel, Sahil? How realistic did this feel to you? Oh, well, I felt like if someone is going to get stranded, I think, I think people will do like pretty much anything they can to get them back. And in the book, I think they mention a lot about the money cost, like how much money they're putting into this, you know, to get mm-hmm. one person back. But mm-hmm. it ended with, it, it's worth it when you're trying to save a life. Right. So I it's definitely way to look at it. Yeah, I was asking myself that too and and I had a conversation after the movie about it as well with with someone what would they really what would NASA legitimately do in this situation? Um say you you go to Mars, uh something happens just like the movie. You think someone's dead and uh 2 years later you find out that they're alive. What do you do at that point? Because it takes like years to get there if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so is there even a guarantee that they would be alive when you get there? You're basically taking eight years off four people's lives to go find one person on Mars, you know, like Mm -hmm. what, that's a question that was raised. What do you think would happen? Was it more like what happened here where they should be like, Oh no, we're going to go get them. You know, I don't, I, I I like, that's why the Jeff Daniels character is there. And a lot of, I mean, I know those questions were asked here, but I felt, found that an interesting part of the conversation. I yeah, I, I love that aspect of the book, and and I think that it did a great. I think uh, Drew Goddard and and really Scott did a great job of bringing that to the screen, of making this like a social issue, um, and part of it is by making future NASA like a publicly traded company. Um, I think that was a really smart way to 
put a little bit of extra social pressure mm-hmm. on uh, on their actions and their reactions and whatnot. But I think that's like it's just such a it makes it such a. I think that's how it takes a, a very uh, outlandish space story and makes it you know turns it into a humanistic story is by bringing that aspect into it. I thought it did a great job of that. I don't know how realistic any of this stuff is. Um, but it did feel like, you know, if it did, it certainly did well enough to trick us into thinking that it was realistic if it was not, you know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's all that I think you can ask for. I don't, you know, I don't know how long somebody could survive in on Mars in this situation. I don't think any of us do know, but, um, they made the science sound smart enough and they made Mark Watney seem not just likable, but like. He's a smart guy, but not like he can actually make it. Like yeah. he knew he could make like he has but, the skill set right. to do that. But at the same time, he's not like Tony Stark level yeah. of intelligence. You know, like he's a really smart guy, but he still makes mistakes. There's more mistakes in the book. There's a couple of times there's a couple of things they cut of him almost killing himself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that they I thought that the movie did a great job of just kind of summing up all of those instances into that one where he blows it up. And then when the airlock blows up, um, there's more of that in the book. But I think you get this sense that this dude, even if he is really smart is just a dude. And that's kind of what I think drives home the, some of the the humanistic elements of the film. One of the biggest risks I felt the movie would have or would take would be the science. And uh, it's where a lot of these big budget space movies take a wrong turn Uh, mission to Mars and all those uh, ones we saw in the late nineties sunshine and things like that. Um, that there's an era of if you're going to go make these leaps, there has to be a reason for you to back it up, a a source for you to say, here's where this is science. Um, And I think Interstellar really took some turns uh, towards the second and third act where it's just like, come on, like that's not, that's, the Martian did not do that to me. There was never a moment Mm -hmm. where I was like, okay, that, that's bull crap. You know, uh, right. that would, that's yeah. not how it is. That's not how, uh, and th- the biggest leap that they take is the end or the escape route. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I really do think that could have happened. Not a crazy plan, you know, <laughs> not right. something that I would say is, is unfeasible. And that's weird to say, um, in a two and a half hour movie about a guy surviving on Mars to say, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's all good. It was, uh, right. It's probably how it would have happened. Um, it just, very believable and did not expect it to be. I thought, I thought there would be, especially in the last third act, I thought there would be roll my eyes moments like, Oh my gosh, Ridley, what are you doing? You know? And I thought he would screw this up somehow, but didn't when manage the, it. When the creature burst out of Damon's yeah. chest post credits, <laughs> like really, okay. what are some of the how, ways in the book, Brian, maybe that he, uh, ways that he finds to survive or methods he does here he makes to survive. I found that very interesting. And and I thought to myself, okay, that is the perfect person to, if you're going to survive on a strange planet, a botanist would probably be the best person mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of that of him just trying, like the, doing the math and trying to figure out how many potatoes he, how many plants he can plant, um, how to divide them up and how long that they'll last him, how to divide his rations, all that stuff. The there's a lot of time spent with him like doing test runs in the rovers trying to figure out how far he can go before the batteries run out and he has to recharge and um, all that kind of stuff. And 
I thought him, it happens in both the movie and the book, him finding the Pathfinder to be able to communicate with Earth, that was mm-hmm. a riveting piece of film and, and was the same in, in the book of just like, that's so smart to be able to to come up with that. And it added such a cool element, a very realistic element, I think, to allow him to be able to communicate with uh with earth without it seeming like a MacGuffin, you know like it wasn't that's... like oh now you can communicate with earth right it was like right, okay right. we can we can hear you but we can only see pictures so right. you, we have yeah. to communicate via this crazy alphabet where we the only yeah. way we can respond is by turning this camera slightly you know i thought right. that was really really interesting and a, and a fantastic sequence a great great way to bridge the gap between him surviving and then trying to escape or or leave uh leave mars that was it was riveting it was extremely riveting it was up there with castaway um this will go down as one of the great survival flicks of all time we've had a few of those lately and we're about to get another one with uh, leo later this year in uh in the revenant i'm excited excited about that what were what were some of your favorite moments of the movie uh richard what were the highs for you (laughs) Yeah, one person we didn't talk about is uh, someone that Brian and I've been watching for a while. You know, th- you got your childish Gambino. You know, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, always, always good to see him in a in a fun kind of uh, blockbuster type performance. Uh, I'm going to talk about you know, I have a little bit of trouble with the uh, with the Jeff Daniels character as this sort of like easy to blame kind of the way they subtly villainize him at different types yeah. and then. All that was the corporate. He's the man, I guess. That was to me the only part of the movie that was like easy and not Mm -hmm. lazy, but and it's the book too, I'm sure. I mean, it's just, I don't know. That's perfect person to play that too. Yeah. 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 No one does smug. Yeah. Than than Jeff Daniels. It says that on his, right on his business card. But, uh, um, so that was a little, you know, uh, okay. But, uh, on the whole, I mean, it's a it's one thing I will talk about. I didn't like, and I think it might have been the 3D. So if you saw it in 2D, I'd be interested. Some of the kind of pullback shots um, were a little bit, to me, obviously miniatures. Oh, of the the scene. I mean, of the uh, surroundings and of yes, the, it looked, it looked like, like miniatures to me. But which I appreciated though. If you would use that instead of in favor of CGI, I would prefer that. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fine. Yeah, maybe I, it was the three D conversion right. too. Maybe that yeah, kind of. It just looked a little like, oh wow, okay, we're shooting this nineteen sixty six style. I don't know, but uh, yeah, but on the whole, I, I mean, this is, I mean, this might be my favorite of the year on the whole, especially tonally. The fact that he makes water, that was like, what the yeah, that you was can cool. do that, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. And I don't, how much of the science have you heard is has been backed up or like? Neil deGrasse Tyson's come out and been like, that's how it would have happened on Mars. Any of that? Usually there's some after some headlines after the. Opening yeah, weekend. I, I haven't heard any, but I also don't pay any attention to it, you know, because that like to me, it's not the job of a movie to tell a true story. It's to tell a good story, you know, and so as long as you make it, my rule is always if you if you make it seem realistic, then I'm good, you know, and so. I know that in the book he in his uh his acknowledgments and, and whatnot at the end of the book he he talked about the people that he talked to to try to you know kind of fact check what uh what he'd written so I think there's an element of truth to it and you know how far that truth might go I, who who's to say but 
Um, it certainly doesn't come across like this is, uh, you know, screwing around or, or that it's just total junk. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's the important thing for me. Something else I really found a good choice by Ridley was the graphics on the actual screen that he records himself because it had temperature and it had, um, I think health or something like that, oxygen, uh, on the actual display. So you could see how much oxygen he was losing and what the, how cold he was getting just by the little like ESPN style graphic on the camera. He was recording himself. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you would think the oxygen thing would have come up later. It would have been used as a crutch too, like oxygen low oxygen. It would have, that would have happened a lot in his ultimate, uh, like we're coming off Everest. We're talking about, two movies back to back where that's oxygen is the main like thing mm-hmm. they need mm-hmm. um, that that would have come up more, been more important. Like uh, the fact that he's running out of oxygen, they, they mention it a few times. And uh, I mean, he really he has to duct tape up his helmet. I think that's like the most tense part where he's going to run out of oxygen. But um, I would have thought that that would be the first concern in space would be oxygen and not food. Sure. Um, that's crazy. It was uh, a lot to think about. What did, what did you feel like the most unbelievable thing was? Uh, my has, only hesitation was the end where he cuts himself in his suit and like flies around space like uh, like asteroid style or something. You sure. Know? Uh, sure. That, that, felt, that was kind of crazy, but it looked awesome in 3D. Yeah. I will say that. Totally. Yeah. This is up there with uh, this might be this might be my favorite movie that we've ever reviewed on the podcast. Like I love, I love this film. Seriously. Like I could watch, I could have walked out of this movie and gone right back in and watch it again. Like what? It's just so fun and thrilling and all that. How much credit do we give Ridley for this? You know, it's a good question. Did he just walk into a great situation here? Yeah, but he also didn't screw it up. So there's, you know, I think it's, I think he did a great job directing, I would hazard to guess that he is not as important to this being a great film as Matt Damon is or as uh, Drew Goddard is, personally. But, or Andy Weir. Or Andy Weir. Um, he, he definitely had a great situation, but, I mean, we've been saying, I've been saying for months, just don't screw this up, Ridley, don't screw this up, because he, he just hasn't been a very good director lately. And the, so I think he did an excellent job directing. Wouldn't surprise me to see him get, uh, some nomination, some award credit uh, when that time of the year rolls around. But I, I do think that you could have had not just any director, but there are other directors that probably could have done this and made it just as good or close to just as good. I don't think you could have just swapped in any old actor and gotten that kind of performance uh, and had the movie right. be this as good as it is. I can, I can attest to that. We have any other thoughts? Any closing thoughts? Any big stuff that you've marked down you want to get to before we uh, start? Sure. So, uh, Sahil, what are your favorite space films of all time? Uh, most recently, probably Guardians. And then okay. uh, I was a big fan of also Gravity. I can't think of that many space films. Oh, I really like Moon from 2011. Yeah, oh, that's a great it's movie. A great film. Star Wars? Um, I'm actually trying to get myself into that. I, I just watched the first two for the first time this year. Oh, wow. So yeah. I have to watch episode, uh, four, no, episode six, but I think I'll be caught up and I was told not to watch the first three or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Don't do it. <laughs> That's interesting. 
Yeah, this is one of the better space films, more realistic ones uh, mm-hmm. that I've ever yeah. seen. This will go yeah. down. This will more be in the grounded. conversation. Very well-rounded and entertaining. And were, Did you guys find it sad? Were you emotional at all? Mm-hmm. Was it void of emotion yeah. or was it just a fun ride? No, I was, you know, I was a little choked up towards the end a couple of times. I thought I thought that the the emotion of the film was driven home in all forms, you know, the the entire spectrum of emotion really well and much better than I kind of anticipated this kind of a movie being, you know. Like that did they did it I thought that worked out really well. What did you what was the deal with them not wanting to tell the crew? I didn't understand why they were concentrating on that so much? You know? I think that I think that is one thing that was kind of they lost didn't want him to feel bad about yeah. Him there. It's it's that and just in the book they drove home. Andy Weir drove home that that space travel is not easy and that there's still like a lot of dangers involved with their nine month trip home or whatever it was, and so they're that they just didn't want to distract the crew with grief or guilt or whatever when they have to you know they have to be on their game to be able to to get their ship home and stuff unbelievable uh unbelievable i hope i hope somebody goes uh, did you did you think it was weird that they announced that they found water on mars like the day the martian came out <laughs> on uh yeah. theaters nice ridley nice we know you paid off nasa to, to <laughs> say that bump it up oh gotta go see the mars movie now <laughs> Uh, crazy. Can you really grow potatoes on Mars, too? Is that a realistic thing? If you have your own poo and some seeds and water? <laughs> Science seemed good to me. I'm going to rule. Yes, you can. Definitely. <laughs> but now, would you eat those? <laughs> hey. I, I like to call them potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Podcast is over. Yeah, to take that film spotting. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I, I'm delirious. Sorry, it's late. I've had like 15 cups of coffee in the past 24 hours. So let's um, give some grades. Yeah, then. let's give some grades. Any closing thoughts, though, Sahil, before we uh, close it out? Anything you wanted to bring up that, that hasn't come up yet? No, I think you guys you guys covered everything. Uh, uh, per use. Nothing <laughs> left to cover. No, we'll get 50 emails. Why didn't you talk about this? <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's go grades. See, he'll... We actually have a conference call every week, and Kent reads yeah, we... all the emails within that voice. <laughs> Richard sucks. See, <laughs> uh, Hill, what are you going to grade I wish this? my girlfriend would stop emailing. It's okay. <laughs> I don't. Uh, this, okay. I'm sure I'll like it a lot more when I watch it again without the expectations, but right mm-hmm. now I'd give it like a B or a B plus. Okay. Cool. Brian. A plus. Richard. A plus. I'm going to give it the... Good old patented Kent Garrison F minus minus minus. No, just kidding. This gets a solid uh, A for me. Solid, solid A, and it's in the conversation. Yeah. For uh, Kent Garrison's patented end of the year top ten list coming soon to a uh, podcast that other near Car- you. That other Kent Garrison is very upset that you patent pending things. Yeah. <laughs> He keeps um, trying to get his own stuff started, and he just can't. He's, he's yeah. livid about so it. So many yeah. patents. You know how you know how to work the legal system. Exactly. I'll give you that. Let's do some weekly recommends. Sahil, you want to stay on with us and, and recommend something to the to the dear listeners? Uh, sure thing. Weekly recommends. Go ahead, Richard. Oh man, you went to me first. Okay, so there's another movie that came out uh, this weekend. Um, another, I think it came out this weekend. 
uh, maybe next weekend. That's a uh, Robert Zemeckis film called The The Walk. Have you guys heard of this? I've heard of it, yes. Yeah, don't see it. Go uh, Just go on, <laughs> on Netflix and watch Man on Wire. <laughs> yes, yes. One of the great documentaries. Just watch that. I watched that again this week, and uh, it's awesome. So uh, just watch that. I agree. That's, that's I agree. I, no, it's the you know it's just the better version of that. By the, the way, French, the French accents are real. Just want to announce. I don't know if we have on the show if we did it last week. We're not doing a walk podcast. I think we talked about that last week. Uh, I don't think we are. So uh, see something else. I, I believe next week we're talking about uh, what Brian Sicario. So see Sicario. Yeah, let's do Sicario. Yeah. Instead. And uh, we'll do that. That's a good recommend, though. Great documentary, Richard. Uh, I agree. I'm going to recommend something that just came back to television. It is uh, Last Man on Earth with our man, Will Forte. Season 2 just kicked off, and it is so funny. You could just start from Season 2 if you want. Yeah, Um, definitely. First episode starts with them moving into the White House, which has been abandoned, and it's hilarity ensues. Very funny show on Fox. Uh, there's only about eight or ten episodes in season one, I believe, so you could easily catch up on that. They're each 22 minutes long or something like that, and uh, and definitely watch that show. Very, very funny uh, stuff. So, Last Man on Earth. Richard, did you see the first episode or two of... Uh... No, I'm super far behind. I am, I have about three left of season one. Oh, uh, man. Wow. Yeah, I got behind, and then I started... Of all people. I know, but I the thing is that I started the Seinfeld binge, and like every time I sit down for some comedy, I guilt myself into watching like three Seinfelds. Yeah, yeah. and that got me really behind on uh, on Last Man on Earth. But I'll I'll get there. It's, it's actually what I look forward. It's a good to excuse. Binging. I look forward to binging. So Brian, what's your recommend? My recommend is going to be a TV show as well. Uh, Last Last Man on Earth. That's a great recommend because I watched the first two episodes of uh, season two today, and it was amazing. Loved it. So funny. It's getting better and better. Uh, the Flash just hit Netflix, the full first season. Mm. Um, I think is last year was not a great year for new TV shows to begin with, but and it's the that best was one documentary of... about Girls Gone Wild that I've seen. <laughs> and you've seen a lot it's actually, of those it's, documentaries. It's actually the mine and Richard's trip. Uh, our home movie was actually called that from <laughs> Bourbon Street. It was weird. It was. We did. We should tell the listeners real quick. Kent and I randomly met up on Bourbon Street. I was there for a wedding. Yeah. We were there at the Cowboys, and we got to take in some other cultures together. It was. Uh, it was. You never would have thought uh, that we, that we would have met up randomly in New Orleans one weekend. We had, oh, yeah. we're both here at the same time, and <laughs> yeah. we, we never see each other here where we live. But it was funny because Richard texted me after his wedding. It was like, "Where are you?" And I told him, he was like, oh, I'm here. It's two blocks away. I just walked next door, and there <laughs> he was, Richard. <laughs> to clarify, Richard did not get married this weekend. It's, yeah. It kind of sounded like Richard got married, and then two hours later, was like, so, Kent, you want to hang? Like, That's, just... I would be far less than two hours, but, um, <laughs> but, but uh, it was great seeing you, man. We had a really good time. I it, was. it was. And all the women who flashed us because of our podcast, thank you. Uh, they were just yelling. <laughs> Coming up to us yelling. <laughs> Not no movies. Woo! Yeah. Like, <laughs> so weird. On Arrested Development. So weird. But, uh, Say goodbye to these. Um, Very flattering. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, The Flash is on Netflix. Place. If you're ever in New Orleans, weekly recommend yeah. go to Prohibition. Great people watching spot. Nice. Great balcony that no one uses. And you can just take in the spectacle day or night. Prohibition. Weekly recommend. <laughs> Seal, uh, Sahil, what's your, what's your recommend? I'm going to go with a book called uh, Name of the Wind. It's uh, from King Killer Chronicles. 
And I think Lionsgate just bought the film and um, TV and video games right to that like a week or two weeks ago. It's similar to like a Harry Potter, but um, it's only three books instead of like seven or eight. Nice. What's it called? So, Colors of the Wind? Uh, the Name of the Wind is the name That's of the first Pocahontas. book. The Name of the Wind. Oh, it's Pocahontas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's from the King Killer Chronicles. Did you ever hear the wolf cry <laughs> to the new ball of uh, Pocahontas. Very overrated <laughs> Disney film. <laughs> Nobody. Remember when Pocahontas came out and everyone yeah. was bummed? I remember that. <laughs> For like two weeks, the whole world like, was like, boom, oh, God. Beating the beast. <laughs> boom, Lion King. Boom, Pocahontas. Boom, Little Mermaid. Boom, Aladdin. <laughs> boom, Pocahontas. Yeah. Boom, Tarzan. Na- can't even give the Native Americans a good Disney film. Come on, right. guys. What was and now funny? you're casting the Rooney, Rooney Mara as, uh, you know, uh, the Native American character in, in Pan, yeah, whose Tiger name I've forgotten. <laughs> Tiger Lily, there we go. There we go. Thank you. That's funny. True story about Pocahontas, side note, that uh, all their all Disney's main animators were working on Pocahontas. Their B team and C team were working on The Lion King. Like, no, nah, this, this movie's going to suck. Yeah, everyone go over there and work on this lion crap. we got Pocahontas to do. And uh, <laughs> Man, could they not have been more wrong with that one? Um, but... There's our Pocahontas podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Brian Gill, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill12. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me behind Sahil right now. You looked. <laughs> you looked. Now, you can I find me not. on Twitter at Richard Barton or at richardbarton.com. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at uh, Kent Garrison. Find our show online at MAM underscore podcast. And uh, find us on iTunes. Subscribe. Please subscribe. Please leave us five stars and, and tell us what you think. Follow us on Twitter. Get involved. Get on the show, maybe. Uh, send us tweets, and we'll answer them on the show as well. And, uh, and thank you for listening this week. And I'm real excited quick, about Sicario. What's up? Sahil, you want to throw out a social media plug for people can follow you or no? Anything to promote. Uh, you get 20 seconds. Ready to go. I'm good, I think. Thank you, though. Okay. No <laughs> okay. problem. Anybody you want to say hi to? No, no worries. Anybody you want to say hi to? Uh, No, thank you. Wow, man, this guy's ice cold. <laughs> Best guest we've ever had. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Eat it, Aaron Motson. Okay. <laughs> Good talking to you, Sahil. We'd love to have you on again. Great thoughts. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, and uh, until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs.